Good morning. Man, uh, do me a favor. If you would, turn to Micah 5 in your Bible. Uh, we're going to be in a couple different places this morning, but if, if you would, um, or if you're not quite there yet, just open your Bible and put it in your lap. I want you to do me, do me a favor. Over top of that Bible, just put your hands just like this and just start going like this. Just start doing this, okay? Because we have got, it's what you do when you have like a really good meal and the waiter lays it in front of you. You're like, oh, baby, here we go, okay? That's what we're doing this, this morning. That is the expectation that we have this morning when we crack open this incredible love letter that has been given to us. So I hope, I hope you feel that this morning. We're gonna be in Micah 5. We're gonna be in uh, Matthew 2. Uh, some as well, Psalm 23, John 10, a bunch of different places that talk about shepherding. If you haven't met me yet, uh, my name is Ed Martin, as Brian said, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here. And one of my favorite um, kind of mo motifs or pictures in the Bible is the picture of the shepherd. And so I feel like anytime this comes up, uh, they ask me to preach. Uh, so uh, here we go. We're talking about the shepherd. Brian uh, preached last week in Micah 5 about uh, Christ coming as a king, as a ruler. Uh, so we're going to jump right into that, and then it will it'll, uh, flow real nicely into uh, what it looks like for Christ to be uh, the shepherd. So in Micah 5, we saw this. It said this in verse 2. It said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth... For me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days, therefore he shall give them up until the time. When she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall what? Dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall not only bring peace, he shall be their peace. And if you look over at Matthew 2, which we spent some time in last week, um, Matthew 2, you see this again. I'm going to start uh, from the very beginning here in Matthew 2. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of, Ju of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophet. And then we hear what we heard in Micah here. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will blank my people Israel. So there's so much buildup here. Okay, all through scripture, there's so much buildup of this ruler who is coming who will do something, who will be some, something, who will be someone, but here he will, he will verb my people. 
What is the buildup all leading to? You have like hundreds and thousands of years here, and it's like all building up to this, and you're like, okay, what's it going to be? What is this ruler going to do? Is he going to conquer all of the enemies? Is he going to uh, find hidden treasure and make us all rich? Is he going to take over the world? Is he going to lower our taxes? Is he going to push back global warming? Is he going to take on dick the dictators around the world? Is he going to change policies that I don't like? What is this one going to do? And we have these hopes and these desires of what it is that this ruler is going to do. And it's like this build up, build up, build up. What is he going to do? Who will hmm, shepherd? Womp, womp. It's kind of like all this build up and you're like, shepherd? That seems kind of like what? So what? Like, shepherds, they're like those guys that are out in the field, like, who talk to sheep and smell. Why is this, all this buildup getting to this place, why is this good news? Why talk about this? Why all this buildup to this verb? Why is this good news for us that we have a ruler who will shepherd my people. I remember uh, when one of my kids was really young, on Christmas morning, we thought it'd be fun to like video uh, this child to come, when he comes downstairs, come around the, the uh, living room and see the mountain of presents, right? I mean, it's this insane, especially when it's like your first kid, sorry, I'm calling you out. Um, you just buy way too many gifts. And there's this mountain of gifts. And so I sat by the gifts with a camera. I mean, it was like a camera back in those days. And he comes around, turns the corner. I want to see him just be like, oh, you guys, you love me or whatever. Or Santa, whatever. And he turns the corner and goes, oh, not that much. <laughs> and it was like such a great picture of just like where our hearts are at. And maybe where our hearts are at when we have this build up, build up, build up, there's supposed to be this mountain of all these promises and who will shepherd? Like it just doesn't seem like the great payoff that we were hoping for. Even when you get cast as the shepherd in the uh, Christmas play, you're like, oh, I got stuck as a shepherd. And so who cares? So what? It's interesting, uh, we don't have time for this, this this morning. I literally cut it this morning because we definitely don't have time for it. This is a really fun study to literally go through from cover to cover of Scripture and say, it looks like God has this special place in his heart for shepherds and sheep. It's really interesting. If you go literally from the cover all the way to the very end in uh, Revelation, it's fascinating. If you just trace his hand and his like special heart, for shepherds. You have uh, Abel. Abel, in the very beginning, was a shepherd, right? The first murder in all of Scripture was a shepherd. It seems like God has this like special heart for him even after that. So you have Abel, and then you've got like Moses, who spent time being a shepherd. So uh, the concept and the position and the occupation of a shepherd was actually like, like actually really, really important at one point and uh, a reputable position. Uh, and then as you kind of get closer and uh, to like um, Egypt and all that, they hated shepherds because they were more farmers and farmers didn't like shepherds because sheep and goats get in, get in their, uh, get in their 
um, food and all that and the things in, in, in their crop and the things that they, they make. So they actually hated uh, shepherds and sheep. And so like this, this term of shepherds and shepherding has like a high point and then it kind of, as you go through the Old Testament, it starts to become like a de- detest- detestable uh, position. But God continues to love shepherds. You see this one who will rise, rise up in 2 Samuel 5 named David, who will be king and he's also a shepherd. He picks him off of the, um, the field, right? out of the pasture and says, this one will be king. You're like, really, a shepherd? So you see God's heart for shepherds. You see the prophets, Micah, different places. You see God, like, or you see the, the scriptures and, and uh, prophets saying that, just like we read in Micah, right, that he will be one who will shepherd. This shepherd will come. And then, and then God seems to even pick it up even more in this incredible Psalm, Psalm 23, which we all know really, really well, right? The Lord is my what? The Lord is my shepherd. Wow. So like he defines himself. He says, that's a really important term. Lord is my shepherd. And then you get into Luke two, you get into the new Testament and you've got this incredible news that has been waiting to break forever and ever and ever. And then the news comes to who? Shepherds. It's crazy. These angels come and bring it to these little smelly, lowly people in a pasture somewhere. And that's really the Christmas story, right? The Christmas story is about a bunch of nobodies that are pointing to a somebody who came to give his life for a bunch of nobodies. It's a Christmas story. And so we have that kind of picking up here in Luke 2. And then you got in John 10, Christ calls himself, what? The good shepherd. And then in Hebrews, the, the writer says that Jesus was the great Shepherd. First Peter says that he's the chief shepherd. And then in Revelation, you see this lamb. So it's this incredible, like tracing the hand of God through the picture of, of shepherds. And so back to Matthew 2, it says, And you shall, and from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And so we kind of think we need one thing. And then God gives us another. Has that ever been true in your life? Do you think you need one thing? You're longing for this thing, and God says, I'm going to show you how I do things. I'm going to give you a king who does things a different way. I'm going to give you a king who is a shepherd. And so then we're put in this position where we have to accept him on those terms. Well, I would rather he be this. I would rather he do this for me and act like this. I would rather he be like this, but it doesn't say that. It says, this is who I'm, who I'm saying he's going to be. This is what I'm saying he's going to be like. And that's what you have to accept. So I think one of the hardest challenges for us in life is when we want him to be a certain way, but he says, I didn't say I was like that. I'm going to tell you what I'm like, and it's up to you to accept me on the terms that I've given you. And so I would argue that... Um, where I said, he shall come a ruler who will blank my people. I think God perfectly filled in the blank here. I think it is the perfect fill in the blank when he said, because this is exactly what we need. God knows exactly what we need as a people. And he says, how am I gonna fill in that that blank? And I'm gonna fill it in with shepherd. So this morning, what I would like to do, uh, we're gonna kind of go a bunch of different places in scripture 
but um, I'd like to give you four, four, four points, okay? Four things that we think we need, but how the shepherd meets a different need. We think we need this, but instead he gives us him as a shepherd, and that meets a different need that we actually have, okay? Uh, again, this, these notes are on the screen. They're also in uh, the Version app on Church Center app. Uh, if you want to follow along there, all the notes and stuff will be there for the next week or so. Number one, we think we need, we think we need a very detailed map. We think we need a very detailed map of what is to come, what's going to happen next in my life. Instead, we're given a shepherd who is a very personal guide. So we think that what we need most is just to know what's next and then we'll be able to handle it okay. We need a very detailed map. Instead, he says, I'm gonna give you instead a shepherd, right, who is a very personal guide. Some of us um, need more details than others, right? There are people in your life that just need more of the details than others do. And so some of you might need a map more than others just kind of roll through life. Um, about a month and a half ago, uh, Patrick Burt, who was playing drums up here, he asked me to take him to uh, the, the, the airport because um, he just had an early flight one morning. We kind of lived close to each other. And I was like, sure, you know, whatever. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick you up at the, the, this time. And so got up that morning and I picked him up. We went to the airport. You know, we had, our conversation was great on the way, the way there. I dropped him off. It's early in the morning. I come back home and... Um, Katie says, my wife says, where, where, where were you this morning? And I said, oh, I took Patrick to the airport. And her question is what? Where did he go? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I have literally no idea where he went. She said, how do you not know where he went? He didn't tell me. What do you mean, how do I not know? He didn't tell me. What did you talk about for 35, 40 minutes while you drove? I don't know. Just each other? Like life? Stuff? I don't need to know. Katie, she needs to know. Patrick, can you let Katie know your travel <laughs> business from now on? She needs to know the details. All right? I don't need to know the details. But some of us are like that. We feel like we need to know more of the details. And we need a very detailed map. I know we're all like this in certain areas of life, right? And we think and we want and we expect from God to give us a very detailed map. And instead, he says, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't need that. If I wanted to give you that, I would give you that. Right? Could he give us a detailed map of what the future holds? Absolutely. Does he? No. Instead, he gives us himself. He says, I will be your guide. And so life has been made so much different now with like Apple Maps, GPS, and all that stuff. Like teaching my sons how to drive is like totally different. Like one of my sons was driving for almost a year, and I said, Just go up to Capitol. And he said, what's Capitol? Boulevard. I'm like, what? How do you not know what Capitol? You've been driving for like a year. How do you not know what Capitol Boulevard is? Well, I just follow my phone. I'm like, it's just changed our experience of navigation and being guided through uh, life. 
right? We know what's coming at every turn. Like these things, they tell us like there's some traffic ahead. You might want to take a different route and your turn is coming up in 1.1 miles. You don't have to do any thinking anymore, any wondering or any trusting. Really, you just follow what he or she tells you to do. Um, And so we get to a place like Psalm 23, and it's not telling you a lot of what's ahead. Look at Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not once in that passage that's saying, you'll, you'll do this, then you'll do this, then we'll go here, then we'll go here, then we'll go here. All right, it's just saying that I am... The important part is saying, I am the shepherd. You are guiding me. The one who is guiding is the most important thing. We don't need a detailed map. I know we want a detailed map. But instead, we have a shepherd, right, who's a very personal guide. What What does he do? He moves along with us. He takes us places. He leads us. And then he, for very specific reasons, and then he walks us through certain places, right? And a really important part of this is that God and shepherds, important to know about shepherds, shepherds always scout out the land that they take their sheep to before they take their sheep there. Uh, This little book, if y'all took, uh, I taught a class last year called uh, Psalm 23. And we read this little book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller, and it's a, it's a book written by uh, an actual shepherd. Uh, he was a shepherd like in South Africa for a long time, and so he's writing about Psalm 20, 23 from the perspective of an actual shepherd, and there's just some absolute gold in here. Uh, but this, I'm going to read a couple little pages from this this morning. Um, he says this when it comes to um, how a, how a shepherd scouts out the land. It says, David, who wrote, wrote this, the psalmist, of course, knew this type of terrain firsthand. It is no wonder he could write so clearly and concisely of the relationship between a sheep and its owner. So obviously God chooses a shepherd to talk about understanding him as uh, the shepherd. Uh, it is, sorry, it is no wonder he could write so clearly and concisely of the relationship between, him, between a sheep and its owner. He knew from firsthand experience about all the difficulties and dangers of the treks into high country. Again and again, he had gone up into the summer range with his sheep. He knew this wild but wonderful country like the palm of his own strong hand. Never did he take his flock where he had not already been before. Listen to that again. Never did he take his flock where he had not already been before. Always, has he, always had he gone ahead to look over the country with care. Starting to get that a little bit? Another way to put it is this. Um, he will not take you or he will not take them anywhere he has not already been. The ground below your feet has been below his feet before. No matter what the ground is below your feet currently this morning or where you're headed, that ground you can trust has already been below the shepherd's feet. 
would he lead you to a place that he has not already scouted out and he has not already been? He is not taken by surprise. He goes on and says this. He says, all the dangers of the rivers and flood, avalanches, rock slides, poisonous plants, the ravages of predators that raid the flock, or the awesome storms of sleet and hail and snow were, were familiar to him. He had handled his sheep and managed them with care under all of these adverse conditions. Nothing took him by surprise. He was fully prepared to safeguard his flock and tend them with skill under every circumstance. So you've got this shepherd who has gone ahead. He goes before, and I'm just telling you this morning, he has scouted out this land that is underneath your feet this morning. Do not fear we think we can lead ourselves. We are sheep trying to be shepherds. If you have a little free time today, just go on YouTube and type, type in sheep are dumb. Dumb sheep. There's some amazing videos about the dumb things that sheep do. But we're trying to be shepherds, but we are the sheep, and that's the roles that God wants to keep here. And so in this guide, we can trust that this guide in Psalm 20, 23, right, he he leads my path to places of flourishing. His definition of flourishing, right? So you got pictures of green grass, still water, soul restoration, even valleys. You can trust that he scouted that out and he says, and now I'm going to take him through and take you through this. So we don't need to know what's coming. We have to know we can trust that he is with us and he is the personal God. And that personal part is really important. It's really important. Look, look at John 10. John 10, uh, where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. This is amazing. Um, and again, it's just a very personal shepherd, even where Jesus looks at the guys and he says, hey, come, come follow what? Who? Me. Not follow a system religion. He says, follow me. I'm your shepherd and you're the sheep. We personally navigate through this together. I am a good, good shepherd. Um, before we get to John 10, there's a picture in Psalm 23 about um, when he's walking through the valley and he says, I will not fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One of the most personal, intimate pictures, I think, um, that I didn't really understand until I read, read this book, is that picture of the staff. Right? The rod, a lot of times, is for discipline, but the staff is for guiding. The staff is for guiding. And what, it, what he says here in his experience as a shepherd, you're, you're, you're going to love this. He says this. says, the staff... The staff is also used for guiding sheep. Again and again, I've seen the shepherd use his staff to guide his sheep gently into a new path or through some gate or along dangerous, difficult routes. He does not use it to actually beat the beast. Rather, the tip of the long, slender stick is laid gently against the animal's side. And the pressure applied guides the sheep in the way the owner wants it to go. Thus, the sheep is reassured of its proper path. Sometimes I've been fascinated to see how a shepherd will actually hold his staff against the side of some sheep that is a special pet or favorite, simply so that they are in touch. They will walk along this way almost as though it were hand in hand. 
The sheep obviously enjoys this special attention from the shepherd and revels in this close, intimate, personal contact between them. To be treated in this special way by the shepherd is to know comfort in a deep dimension. It is a delightful and moving picture. Have you ever felt his staff alongside of you? Do you long for that even now? As you're like, God, I just need a map. I just need a map. I just need a map. And you just feel that staff come alongside of you and say, let me gently guide you in the next step, in the next step. So when he says we have a ruler who comes to shepherd us, there is like this intimate, hand-in-hand guide that he has given us. So that buildup is actually is actually worth it. John 10, back to John 10, where he says, uh, you get a little picture of what what the good shepherd is like here. Um, John 10, 14, well, John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for my sheep. Jump to, um, that's good. So he's saying that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him. There's a hired hand. There's a sheep that does not know in verse 12, if we back back up a little bit. um, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So there's, a, there's this difference here of the one who's a hired hand who really didn't choose this, who's just doing it out of obligation. And then there's one over here who's a good shepherd who knows his sheep. He knows them in an intimate way. He knows their names and they know him. He chose this. He chose to do this, to become the shepherd. He left heaven to become a shepherd among us. He's not getting to know you. Like you're not in a dating relationship with Christ where he's learning about you and you're just sharing all the good things about yourself. He's like, oh, really, really, really? He's not fooled. He knows you and yet he still chooses you. That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy when you know you and yet to think like he still chooses me. He knows their names. I think about when I was a kid, I went to go see Santa Claus. I'd sit on his lap, and every year Santa would say, what's your name, little boy? I'm like, I thought you knew me. You don't even know me. Every year I tell you, Edward is my name, all right? And I'm on the good list, I swear. But for Jesus, Jesus never says, what's your name, little boy? We don't come to him and pray and say, hey, God, it's, it's Edward again. He's like, I know, I know who you are. I know your name. I know everything about you. I know every hair on your head. I know all of your quirks. I know all your fears. I know all your concerns about this morning. I am a good, good shepherd, and I want to guide you like no map ever could. And he knows you. Even in this book, it talks about how shepherds... um, would cut a little mark in the sheep's ear to make a dis- distinguishing mark so they know which one is theirs. It's like a unique mark. And so he has marked us in many ways. He's marked us with salvation, right? To say, I know this one is mine. So he knows, he doesn't get us confused 
with somebody else. And then he offers his voice. And that's like true, you know, when you hear somebody's voice and you go, oh, that's my wife. Or that's, that's my friend. Right, you know their voice. He knows our voice and we, we know his. So again, the question for that first point is, are you going to let him guide you? Or are we gonna keep begging him for a map? We don't need a map. We don't need a map. If we needed one, he would, he would have given it to us. But instead, we have a very personal guide. Number two, we think we need answers. We think we need answers in order to relieve fear and receive comfort. Instead, we're given a shepherd whose presence is the answer in every season. Have you ever asked God the question, why? <laughs> I mean, come on. We all have. Right, you walk through some difficulty, it just doesn't make sense. You say, why? God, why me? Why is this happening? Of all the people, of all of your sheep, why me? And he doesn't say, oh, because point one, two, three. Instead, his answer is really cryptic, and he says, me. Why did why this happen? Me. I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you my presence. And the weird part is, for us, that's not enough. That's not a good enough answer for us. No, 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 you owe me an answer. He doesn't owe us an answer. What he's given us is himself. Psalm 23, back there, uh, where he says, um, I walk through the valley. Many of us have walked through many valleys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? You are what? Emmanuel, you are with me. If you want to do a fun, fun Bible study, just trace the word with through all of Scripture. Yeah, that preposition is like big time. For you are with me. And that withness removes fear. I will fear no evil for why? You are with me, not because I took all the danger away or because I fixed everything or because I gave you all the answers. I fear no evil because what? You are with me. There's a presence that is better than an answer. Another fascinating thing about Psalm 23 is the first like up through verse four, it's like third, third person saying, He's talking about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me. He leads me. He restores me. He leads me for his name's sake. And then something shifts in the valley. Right? It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Second person. For you are with me. See, when things are green pasture and still water, it's easy to talk about God and about Christ, but in the valley, you talk to him. He better be there. He better be there. And that's when we learn if we actually have a relationship with him or not. So his presence is the answer in every season. So he comforts us. Back in Micah, it said, they shall dwell secure. He shall be their peace. He literally embodies peace as uh, the shepherd. There's a great story um, in this book again. <clears throat> great shepherding story. He says this, 
Um, as long as there is even the slightest su uh, su suspicion of danger from dogs and cougars and bears and other enemies, the sheep stand up ready to flee for their lives. They have little or no means of self-defense. They are helpless, timid, feeble creatures whose only recourse is to run. That sounds like us. Uh, when I invited friends to visit us, I always made, clear, made it clear that their dogs were to be left at home. I also had to drive off or shoot other stray dogs that came to disturb the sheep. Two dogs have been known to kill as many as 292 sheep in a single night of unbridled slaughter. Use heavy and lamb when chased by dogs uh, will slip their unborn lambs and lose them. A shepherd's loss from such forays can be appalling. One morning at dawn, I found nine of my choicest ewes, all soon to lamb, lying dead in the field where a cougar had harried the flock during the night. It was a terrible shock to a young man like myself, just new to the business and unfamiliar with such attacks. From then on, I slept with a rifle and flashlight by my bed. At the least sound of the flock being disturbed, I would leap from bed and calling my faithful collie, dash out into the night, rifle in hand, ready to protect my sheep. Listen to this. In the course of time, I came to realize that nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. And this applied day and night. In the Christian's life, there is no substitute for the keen awareness that my shepherd is nearby. There's nothing like Christ's presence to dispel the fear, the panic, the terror of the unknown. So his presence is actually better than the answer that uh, we long for. And so it's not just about, I think, I think for a lot of us, we think the answer is, let me, I just gotta get through this season. Is anybody maybe in this season? <laughs> One of those seasons right now, we say like, oh, it's just a season. The hope, like our hope is just to get through this season and get to the next glorious, perfect season, right? Which actually was the season that you were looking for. The one you're in right now is the one you were looking for last season when you were trying to get through this season. Now you're in that season and next season might not be so glorious either. But the point is not getting just through this season to the next season. The point is to say like he, he enters this season. He's present in this season with us, withness of God. In the morning, in the quiet, he's with you. And you learn, do I have relationship with him or am I just trying to get to like still waters and green pastures with him? He's not waiting for us there. He's guiding us through this season, through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't leave you for dead in the valley of the shadow of death. He guides us through the valley of the shadow of death. So he's a, he offers, again, in John 10, he's a shepherd. The, the, the other one comes to steal and kill and destroy. He comes that we may have life and have it abundant. So he's saying that's like present tense. He's saying right now, right here, you have my presence and that is the best. It's the absolute best. If you want to read an unbelievable passage, Revelation 7, not only this season is he promising abundant life, but a forever season. This is unbelievable. We'll start with verse uh, 15 in uh, Revelation 7. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Shelter them with what? His presence. 
This is a forever picture. This is a forever season. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their what? Their shepherd. There he is again. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So not only is he the shepherd here right now saying my presence is what matters most, he's saying and also forever. I'll be the forever shepherd. The forever shepherd in your midst. So we have a ruler who will shepherd. Number three. We think we need more hours in the day to get it all done. Uh-oh, it's getting personal now. Here we go. Instead, we're given a shepherd who sets a different pace and offers rest. Have any of you ever said, I wish I had more hours in the day? Have any of you not started your Christmas shopping? Katie and I went to the bank the other day, and we were sitting in line at the bank to deposit one of our giant golf checks. And I'm kidding, it's a joke. And... Um, the line was just so long. We only had a certain amount of time, and I'm literally watching the sun just set. I'm watching the sun go down. Our day is just dwindling away. We're supposed to be Christmas shopping. I'm like, well, there's not enough time. I just need more hours in this day. I need more hours before Christmas. So we think we need more hours in the day to get all done. Instead, we are given a shepherd who sets a different pace and offers rest. We are longing for the technology that just gives us more time, right? Like this app always promises to like save us so much time. Have you seen this app? Oh, if I just do this, then like, man, my whole world would just open up. It never opens up. It never is open up. So what he offers is just so incredibly different. Psalm 23, right? He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So he makes me lie down. He allows me he has to like push me down. He allows me to lie down. But we just think we need more time to get it all done. Wouldn't that be great if we had a ruler who would come and like increase the number of days or give us more productivity or efficiency? That's not what he came to do. He came to shepherd us and say, there is a time for you to just be and for you to not crush it and do it. It's not... Um, the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me crush it. That's not the song, he makes me slay, sorry. Um, but nothing gets done when I lay down. Mama can't take a nap. Nothing gets done. He's like, maybe that's kind of the point. I've always thought about this, like day, day one for, for humans, right? Like day six, if you believe in like literal seven day creation, like he, he creates man on day six and then man's like, let's do this. It's day seven. He's like, we're not doing anything today. What? <laughs> Today's a rest day. First thing, I was ready to crush it and we're resting. Maybe that's like more of a uh, rhythm we should have. But this is the shepherd who says, I want to offer you a breath. I want to give you a chance to slow down. I want to give you a chance to just be with. All right, the shepherd enjoys when his sheep are just with him. Not when they bring him a list of things that, they've, that they have accomplished. Right, he just enjoys being with him. We don't know how to do this really well. We don't know how to receive rest really well, do we? We don't know how to receive in general. This is why we struggle with grace. 
We're better at giving and doing and like con- contributing. Like even when we go to somebody's house for, th- for th- uh, Thanksgiving or like a meal, we show up and say, what can I do? How can I help? What can I do? And they say, no, 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 no. Just sit down, relax. We don't know what to do with that. We're not good at that. We want to contribute. We want to help. We want to be productive. We want to be efficient. But this shepherd allows us to say like, listen, I'm giving you a chance to like travel at God's speed, which is, which is slow, about three miles per hour walking speed. And I'm giving you a chance to just receive. And so he offers us Sabbath. He offers us rest. And he says, we don't, we don't, we don't wait to rest in, until after everything's done. Right? We don't rest because it's all done. We rest because it will never be done. We've never finished anything. I have my notes app on my phone has so many lists right now. And so many of those little bubbles are unchecked and it drives me nuts. And they're probably never going to be checked. He says, and I know it's important to get things, things done, but this is a shepherd who offers us a different pace than he offers us. He offers us rest. We don't need more hours in the day. If we did, he would have given them to us. Good shepherds don't drive their sheep into the ground. Instead, they offer them sweet rest. Makes them lie down in the wonderful pastures that he has provided for them. So maybe in the week ahead, you just receive from him, from, from him before Christmas. You say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do. Last, last one. We think we need him for occasional help. Instead, we are given a shepherd who laid down his life for us and shepherds us constantly. So sometimes we think, I think, that I just need him like occasionally. You know, like when I'm being a dumb sheep, then I'll like send out the, 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 the flare signals and he'll come in and he'll shepherd me and he'll, he'll comfort me and he'll like help me kind of navigate life. We think we need him when we need him, like only when our efforts are not um, enough. And so John 10, go back to John 10, where um, he says, uh, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. Just the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. So there's this comprehensive and complete laying down of everything for us. If he has to do that, that means we have comprehensive needs. That means we're way more needy than we thought we are. And so he must be shepherding all of the time, not just when we think we need him to shepherd us, but he's shepherding us all of the time. We don't need him to come in and say like, we're like 50% good and Christ, if you would just like tip the scales a little bit, like that extra 1%, then we'd be good. No, no, he came in and said, you don't even belong on the scale. You need me to weigh in. This is the gospel. We need him to weigh in and take our place so that we can actually have favor with God. That he sees us instead, he sees him instead of uh, so his shepherding is, con- just, like his, just like our salvation is comprehensive and constant, ongoing, um, we must realize how comprehensive and constant his shepherding is. He shepherds us all day, every day, even when you don't even realize it. 
Do you realize how much he does for you and how much he longs to do for you? This is the gift, a ruler who is a shepherd, who comes alongside and meets all of our needs even when we know it, even even when we think, um, even when we know it, and even when we don't. So we have to realize how badly we need it. Tim, Tim Keller said it like this. He said, sheep can do very little on their own. In short, shepherding is comprehensive. The sheep are dependent on the shepherd for absolutely every area of their lives. Sheep do not merely need the shepherd only on weekends or during difficult times. He is their comprehensive Lord and Savior. One last little picture from this book and we'll wrap it up. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I'm completely satisfied with his management of my life. Why? Because he is the sheep man to whom no trouble is too great as he cares for his flock. He is the rancher who is outstanding because of his fondness for sheep, who loves them for their own sake as well as his personal pleasure in them. He will be on the job 24 hours a day to see that they are properly provided for in every detail. Above all, he is very jealous of his name and high reputation as the good shepherd. He is the owner who delights in his flock. For him, there is no deeper satisfaction than that of seeing his sheep contented, well-fed, safe, and flourishing under his care. This is indeed his very life. He gives all he has to it. He literally lays himself out for those who are his. No wonder Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So there's something really important about him always constantly shepherding us because it begs the question, are we content and satisfied in his management of us? In the pasture in which he has placed us, I think like the psalmist, we say, I shall not want. Why? Because I have found all that I need here. So what is it that makes his pasture so good? Is it the green grass? Right, I'll never forget one, one time we were up in Maryland, and I've told this story a million times, but we were up in Maryland, we were at this farm, and I remember this sheep was in this beautiful, lush pasture, and he was up against the fence, like eating brown grass, on the other side of the fence, you know? And everything in me wanted to say, turn around, look behind you. Like you're literally in the most luscious pasture that you can see, but you're sticking your face through the fence to eat brown grass. That is us. Longing for lesser pleasures while the green grass is behind us. We're literally there. We're sitting at the Angus barn and they put a tomahawk steak in front of us and we say, I'd kind of rather be at Wendy's. Nobody says that when the tomahawk comes. Or we say, I want some side items. There's no side. We have what's in the middle of the pasture. It's not just the green grass. What makes his pasture so good? It's him. It's not what he gives us. It's the shepherd is in this pasture. So man, if you're, if you're like, my kids are so tired of hearing this. If you're parenting teenagers and you're saying like, hey, what are we doing? It's not about 
don't eat that, don't eat that stuff. That's not how you parent. You say, no, 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 no. Look in the center of the pasture. It's not don't do this, it's eat this. The tomahawk steak is right here. It was shepherd who satisfies. I just turned 44 this week. Happening. There's there's nothing else that satisfies. Maybe it happens in year 45, I don't know. I don't think so. Nothing satisfies like him. I did teenage years, I did college years, I did all that. I had four amazing kids. They don't satisfy like he does. Only he satisfies. So the question is, how do we fill in the blank? The blank is my shepherd. Nobody wants to admit this, but we fill in that blank with other things. Right? We can fill in that blank with, I am my shepherd. The culture is my shepherd. The newsfeed is my culture. This political candidate is my shepherd. Nobody would say that out loud. Another human, my spouse, the people that I follow are my shepherd. They're the ones that are actually guiding me. I want to give you two, I want to close with this, two, two versions of Psalm 23. I want to give you a version that I, that I wrote. Uh, this is an alternative version uh, that starts with the world is my shepherd. Let's see how that plays out. So how you fill in that blank dictates a whole lot. The blank is my shepherd. I want to give you that version, and then I'll tell you about the second version after I finish that. The world is my shepherd. I can't stop wanting more and more and more. It makes me agitated and restless, always searching for greener grass on the other side. One more scroll, one more moment. My thirst is never quenched and my stomach is telling me that what I did drink may be polluted. My soul is not even a consideration. No chance that anyone cares about that. I wander to and fro with an ever-changing compass. There is no true north and I keep losing the path, getting turned around. Who's leading this thing? What is true keeps changing. Do I find my own truth or follow someone else's? As long as I live for my own name's sake, I'm committed to living my best life, following my heart and being my true self, right? I'm in the valley, but I'm pretending that there is no valley. Just stuff it down. Just stuff it down. Ignore the voices in my head and hope to somehow make it through. One step in front of the other. All I do is fear evil. I fear everything. If I'm honest, I fear missing out. I fear not keeping up. I fear, not, I fear being poor. I fear being lonely. I am lonely because no one is with me. The world didn't deliver on its promise to be with me. Mostly because I haven't let other people in as well. Don't touch me with that silly rod or staff. I got this on my own. I'm a grown man. Meanwhile, my enemies are eating my lunch and I'm letting them. Everyone and everything bothers me. I'm beating my head against the wall. Makes me lose my mind. My cup is not overflowing. I can't even find my cup. Fear, regret, follow me every day. They pursue me, grabbing my ankles, trying to trip me up. The world is my shepherd. But if this is the way the world is going to be, I don't know if I want to live in it much longer. There's got to be something else. How you fill in that blank (laughs) determines a lot. 
The blank is my shepherd. We have a ruler who will shepherd. Will we let him shepherd us? I don't know. I don't have a map. I don't know what 2024 holds for you personally, for us as a country, for us as a church. But I do know there's one who longs for relationship through it all, no matter what what comes. And he offers you this relationship. And I want to show you what relationship sounds like. Uh, I want to read to you uh, one of the assignments in the class that I taught on Psalm 23 uh, was to have um, uh, students um, write a paraphrase of Psalm 23. Like, just write it in your own words. We're actually allowed to do that with Scripture. They're not writing Scripture. It's just their own kind of paraphrase of what what it was. Um, And I asked this person who wrote this last year, I asked this person if I could read this this morning. This person wrote this last year not knowing that this year would probably be one of the hardest years she ever faced. And, uh, man, this is hard to read. (laughs) Um, Y'all know, y'all will guess who this is. That's a person, she said I could read it this morning. I sent it to her, she's not here. I sent it to her this week and said, you might need to read this. And she responded and said, I need to read this every day. Person who's experienced loss this year, frustration, confusion. Many of y'all have gathered and prayed for this person this year. And a year ago, this is what past version of this person said to this person today. And this just pictures relationship with this shepherd. This is why the ruler being a shepherd is good news. Listen to this. She writes this. She says, the Lord is my master, my protector, my provider, My heart is satisfied in him alone. He relieves me of all the things that are distractions and irritants so that I am able to truly rest in him. He is the one who quenches my thirst. In him I am whole. I am at rest and at peace. I am refreshed. He guides me throughout life so that I can feed on his goodness. These next four words. He is so Good. I know that he is with me in the valleys of life, but I don't stay there. He leads me, he carries me, ever moving forward and upward. Because of this truth and his guidance, I am not afraid of what each valley will bring. I am at peace following his voice. You have been where I am going. You know the places where the enemy hides. You know my weaknesses and where I could easily fall. You are there to catch me. Your spirit comforts me and helps me take my thoughts captive. Your spirit provides a mind like my good shepherds. No matter my circumstances, no matter my circumstances, I am able to look upon them through a lens of joy and gratitude for a shepherd who is always in the storm with me. My wonderful shepherd pours out goodness and mercy on me daily, not because of what I do, but because of who he is. In all things, I can look expectantly to him and receive his goodness, which flows out of his love for me. 
In Christ, I am home. I am satisfied, protected, cared for, comforted, all caps, loved. I desire no other dwelling place but that of the feet of my master. One of the most difficult years of her life. But she's got this. Do you have that? Looking into the next year, maybe this morning, you just have to grab one of our prayer partners who are gonna be in the back during our last song and just pray. Just say, you know what, I, I need to trust. I need to trust that this is the shepherd that I need. And whatever that area is, maybe it's the ground that your feet are on top of right now and you're wondering, has he really been here? Does he really care? This morning might just be, need to be prayers of trust. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you are with us. We celebrate your presence among us. God, you offer us abundant life. So God, I pray that we would be a people who are lifted up, buoyed up in strength, knowing that you are among us. You are present, you are able, you are strong, and you aren't going anywhere. God, may we have a renewed trust in you this morning. May this be the beginning of a season for us that just looks different, where we're a people who move forward and upward, of people who express our dependency on you daily and know that you're gonna meet that need. God, make us this kind of people. Give us great joy, comfort, and joy as we enter into this week and experience your presence with us. We love you, good, great, chief shepherd. Amen.